And happiness doesn't mean lack of adversity. It doesn't mean lack of challenge. It just means just a content approach with tackling that challenge, right? It's just, it's, it's taking the adversity with a good attitude. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of courageous individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Bad thing not to come into something super planned, you know, that's where you get the, the best conversations. Uh, my name is Pacho, and this is From Darkness to Life. It's a podcast from the Our Collective Journey series. Uh, thanks to a Plugged In Media Network couple of the OCJ uh, guys joining us. Rick and Ryan, nice to see you guys again. And uh, the guy in the hot seat today, mindset coach, motivational speaker, keynote speaker, PGA of the uh, Canadian Golf uh, Professional Association as well, Trevor Moore. Trevor, M-O-O-R-E dot C-A is your website. Did I get that right? You did. You nailed it. How's that for a plug? That sounds like quite an intro. I love it. Say it again, but in all caps. Do it one more time. Okay, I'm going to underline it, (laughs) uppercase it, 22 font times New Roman. And highlight. And highlight. Uh, So I have two questions for you. Yeah. Uh, Number one, how are you? I'm very well uh, at the whole grand scope of things. I mean, at the end of the day... Uh, anybody that would you would have on your show, I'm assuming, would understand that well doesn't always mean smooth. Yes. Uh, there is uh, there are some potholes, but at the end of the day, you know what? I'm, everything's well. I can't complain at all. Okay. Wh- why are things well? What what do you have happening in your world right now that are making it well, that are making it good, that are making it positive? Yeah. Well, I mean, am I allowed to say this without being persecuted? Um, COVID has not been a bad thing for me. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. That's not to discredit what it's what it's the damage it's done and the things it's done to people and and, that, and and I'm not naive it certainly hurt things in my world as well but at the end of the day you know what it really uh, allowed me an opportunity to reshape some perspective um when your calendar goes completely blank you then truly have the opportunity to place priority uh it's tough to find priority when there's so many moving pieces and you know what the the covid slowdown allowed me to 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 tackle a few tasks in my business world in my personal life that I wanted to deal with that I didn't have, and I'll put the air quotes on, I didn't have time. Sure. Um, and now I have time. I have no excuse uh, to, to not continue forward and do some things. So I'm doing some stuff that scares me, and that's okay. Uh, a, lot of, a, a lot of new speaking material, a lot of new speaking stuff. Uh, I'm working on a virtual coaching academy. All stuff that's not in my wheelhouse on a normal basis. Uh, me and technology aren't exactly friends. But uh, yeah, so all new stuff, good stuff. Um, things feel really good at home. Things feel real good in my world and, and, uh, I'm enjoying the pace of it and I'm ready for, um, the, did we just lose sound? No, that's me turning off your, turning off your headphones. Oh, that was you turning off the headphones. There you go. <laughs> Were you just shit talking me for doing that? <laughs> I think so. I think no, so. that was you shit talking you for doing that. <laughs> I think it was Ryan shit talking you. I lost mine too. I just heard a call. I was like, wait a second. Is that, is everybody? Oh, that now, we're good. Now, now we're good. Perfect. Perfect. Now we're back in the studio. Uh, good thing we got a professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking 20 seconds with you, you can tell that you're a, a very positive man and you need to be. Did COVID affect you negatively at all in a, in a mental, emotional way? And if so, how did you pull yourself out of that? Yeah, 100% it did. I mean, uh, I, I think as, as, just as a human, it would, uh, it would rattle anybody. I always say that at the end of the day, COVID has made me comfortably uncomfortable. I mean, if you're not uncomfortable going through COVID right now in some level, um, I don't know how you're doing that. Um, you're, you're uncomfortable because you're growing, you're changing, you're pivoting. 
you know, the biggest thing for me was, uh, was taking time for myself. I mean, um, we get so, uh, so tied up in, in being there for others, doing things for others, Mm. you know, thinking our clients are going to fall off the planet if we're not there for them in a, in a snap of a finger. And, um, you know, for me, it was sort of just, it really gave me that chance to, to sort of turn back and bring that self-care towards myself. And that was, that was the most powerful thing, right? I mean, uh, it's always a work in progress. Um, you know, self-care is not always smooth and seamless. And you know what? Self-care is a lot like medication in the sense that, you, you know, you take it and eventually you got to change your dosage because sometimes your body begins to just tolerate what's happening. And that's the same with self-care, right? Yeah. You, you know, you, you do something, eventually it kind of, it works, but it sort of slows down and you have to change things. Kind of like going to the gym, right? I mean, you do the same routine after a while, your muscles get used to it, you yeah. know? So you got to, you got to change it up and you, and you can't just forget about it. I mean, Rick, you and I were talking about this yesterday, how that when you, you know, face your demons head on and, and you think you have a grasp of it, you just can't let it take the back seat. You know, it needs to be front of mind. Continuously. Continuously. Yes, always. Otherwise, that's where the the bad thoughts start creeping in. And something else we've talked about that you mentioned, Trevor, is that you're in the business of inspiring others, of of looking after others. But before any of us can do that, whether it's in a professional sense or a personal sense, or even looking after your your kids and your family, you have to put, and it's not selfish, you got to put number one first, right? Lead by example, I guess, if you will. Yeah. What's on your mind? That's question number two. What's on my what, mind? What do you want to talk about What today? do I want to talk about? Uh, you know, I want to talk about, oh man, we can, how much time do we have? We can talk about a lot of things. As, as long as, as you long. see, this is where my job gets easy. I mean, normally I come in here with a bajillion questions, but <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm putting the pressure on you now. You know, there's a lot we can talk about. I mean, at the end of the day, I think, um, let's just talk about humanity. Let's talk about, about, uh, you know, compassion, empathy. I mean, understanding that, that, that there's a story behind everybody. And this is maybe one of the things that one of the things I talk about often is, is one of my keynotes is called teammates in disguise. And that is that, that all good mentors, teachers, coaches, leaders, uh, really operate kind of, um, subtly as teammates in disguise. The people in the room with them don't even really realize that they are, you know, leading or guiding They're they're there with them. And, and that's where you start to realize that there's everything. I mean, Everything matters, right? I mean, if, if you go to work and you tell me that you argued with your spouse before you left and you got to work and you were in the same mind frame as the day you went to work after good news, I think you're kidding yourself, right? Everything that happens matters. And I think, I think as, as humans, we just got to, we just got to, you know, connect more. We got to, we got to get in touch with each other more and ask better questions. I think we're horrible question askers uh, as people. I think there's just a lot of, we ask the standard, Hey, how you doing? Good. And, and, and we expect the answer to be good. And we just expect to keep walking down the sidewalk. We don't listen. No. That's the other thing. We're horrible, horrible yep. listeners. Yep. I think even before you can start asking the good questions, you have to be able to listen well, to ask those yep. good questions. Nor do we necessarily know what to do with the answer or really want an answer, right? It's yeah. like we, you know, it's been said a whole bunch of times in here, you, the proverbial, how you doing? Good keep walking, right? It's just a, it's a greeting. There's no actual context behind that. Nobody wants to dig in one layer past that. Yeah. And God forbid somebody tells you they're having a shitty day. When you ask that question, you're not prepared. It's like, oh my God, how do I back out of this? Right. Well, and that's, I think some people get really scared of the fact, especially with mental health, the situation is I think people get scared of, of the answer and then they get scared of how they're going to respond to the answer. And the reality is 
I mean, if somebody is struggling, hmm. there's no magic pill. There's no magic statement you're going to say that's going to take away their pain, their challenge, their struggle. At the end of the day, they're just happy that you you left space for them in, in your world. And you don't have to be there to give answers. You don't have to be. You just, you know, listen, just be there uh, and just, you know, just acknowledge the fact that this is happening to them. And, and you know what? That's the big thing. I think people get so, you know, caught up in the old, when someone tells me they're having a bad day, I've got to fix it. No, you, you don't. I mean, they don't even want you to sometimes. And we're so fast to want to fix it. You know, and we're so quick to come up with a cure for somebody else's problems. And you're right. It's not that we're, we just want to be listened to. We want to know that somebody gives a crap about us, you know, and that's where the the listening ears uh, come into play. Ryan, doing what you do, I mean, you speak with people day in, day out and, and them just wanting to be, to be heard. Do you see a difference from those that are listened to as opposed to those that, aren't listened to when their story does feel fall on deaf ears? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, once I got into this industry and took a few classes, cause being the, the 40 year old man who grew up, you know, in the oil patch and, and playing hockey and whatnot. Right. And the household I came from, I was brought up to fix. I was a, a fixer. And, uh, I think that goes for a lot of males, right? We're brought up in that fixing mentality. If you tell me your problems, I'm going to fix it. What kind of classes did you, you, you said you, you took classes. What kind of classes did you take? Oh, communication for the helping professional was one of the biggest ones that I took. And it really drove home that point that I have to listen to understand, not listen to fix, just keep my mouth closed and listen to actually understand what somebody's issues are, what their problems are, create that space for them to actually talk to you. And the word empathy came into play lots, right? Like empathize with them and walk a day in their shoes listen to understand what they're going through and then have that conversation, not to respond and start fixing right away. But a lot of times it's just, they're dying to talk to somebody who's going to just listen. Is it easy to listen uh, or is it like anything? Is it, is, is it a skill set? Is it something that you have to work at? I think it's something you have to work at for sure. And it's also like what Trevor was saying, depending on what you're bringing into that day from your own personal life too, it's a challenge every day to, to stay focused and listen. And uh, you know, in my profession, outside of what we're doing at OCJ, I got to really be careful and, and plan out who I'm meeting with that day. Because if it's, you know, four or five real complex individuals, by the time I get to that fourth individual, my brain is checked out because it's exhausting tracking and listening to, sure. to understand all day. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a skill that the more you work on it, it's like anything else, the more you work on it, the better you get at it. And I, and I think one of the things that, that really strikes me as a coach is that we forget to listen with our eyes. Mm. I mean, we just think that listening is all about the ears. I mean, so much of what comes out of a a good conversation is what is not said, uh, not what is said. Um, You know, when when I pass somebody and they go, hey, I'm doing well, and you can just see in their stride, you're not doing well. um, That's your cue to stop in your tracks and go, oh, yeah, you know, what's what's new? What's going on? And, and, And maybe take the conversation further. Watch with your eyes. Listen with your eyes. We forget to do that. Totally. And I think that's another piece that's made it so difficult in this COVID world is a lot of therapeutic settings and those types of uh, engagements have gone to zoom or gone to over the phone. So you're missing out on that whole, you know, that whole piece of actually watching body language and figuring out, you know, what they're not saying, what's going on here. It's hard to tell. The COVID piece is really interesting. Like, I think I've got a bit of a unique perspective on this because, you know, I know it's a bit of a hot button topic, right? But there's really, you know, unfortunately, I think the majority of our societies just gone to one extreme or the other on just about every topic there is, right? There's not <laughs> sure. a lot of median yeah. anymore. Um, but I, you know, the, the two main groups that we hear about affected by uh, the COVID and the pandemic and is, is, 
you know, the vulnerable population being addicts, people at risk, the more destitute of society, right? And the isolation that that's created and the, and they're at risk. And well, just mental health in general, I guess, right? I mean, everybody, the pressures of, you know, whether you're the entrepreneur whose business has been shut down, like there's this huge mental health group. And then the other side is the actual at-risk seniors population who's higher likelihood of not making it through the population or, or not making it through the pandemic, right? So we have like death on one side and financial security and mental health on the other. I got this unique perspective of both of those populations, right? I, being in seniors housing, I see without getting into too much detail, I've seen what happens when a virus gets loose in a facility, a senior's home. I've seen the toll it takes. I've seen the people that pass away. And then the weight that that transfers onto the staff mm -hmm. and they take home to, you know, it's, it's, it's crushing. It's like, you know, our residents are people that we, you know, they're part of our extended family at this point. Right. So we're losing, not to say that we don't typically lose people, but we don't lose eight people in the span of two weeks that were healthy two weeks prior, right? So it's like this whole, it's, it's a lot to deal with. But on the other side, we deal with a lot of people looking out, you know, even with our 12-step groups that we were engaged with, right? Is that lack of in-person meetings mm -hmm. and everything's gone to Zoom and people just kind of stop attending things and they're back away from their supports and, and the, the substance abuse spikes, the suicide spikes, it's massive, right? As a result of this detachment. And they're both very real and like, it's just such a complicated topic because there's no, both are very valid. Both are very true, but there's not a lot of give for the other side, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm rambling about. There's a huge ripple effect. It's such a pain in the ass, this pandemic. And, 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 <laughs> it's, and it's, and it's credibly heavy on, on the feelings. And after a while. I don't want to say you become numb to what you're hearing, but you, you almost do have to numb yourself, I think, to, to keep yourself healthy, to protect yourself. So Trevor, when, when you're speaking to people, when you're, when you're trying to motivate people that, that are feeling like this, where do you start? What do you tell them? How do you get them back on that track of, of positivity? Negative or positive, we are creatures of habit. And even if we know we're in a bad rut, at least we know what to expect in that rut. So how do you, how do you change a person's thinking? Yeah. Well, the biggest thing for me is I like to consider myself more of inspirational than motivational. I mean, to me, motivation is lighting a fire around someone to get them to move. Okay. Inspiring somebody is lighting the fire inside them. So they choose to move even when the external forces and factors aren't there. And the biggest thing is just to try to, you know, keep people focusing on why they're, they're plotting forward. Um, those types of things, motivating them from that side of the equation. But the inspiration comes in connection in a lot of cases. The fact that we understand that we're not alone um, and, and that, that there is hope and there's many people that are in your situation or have struggled with this challenge and can move forward with it. There is tons of track records of success. Um, let's stay focused on what's possible, not what's not possible. And, and that's sort of the scenario is trying to get into that. The thing that's really interesting and I find um, COVID, COVID sort of almost is uh, to me, it's less of a virus, more of like a steroid injection. It's literally amplified everybody's existing emotions, feelings, thoughts, <laughs> habits is what it's done. And, and those that tend to really get stuck in the doom and gloom 
are getting further down the doom and gloom. Those yes. that tend to be optimistic tend to be further up on the optimism scale. They're finding new routes, new avenues. Those that, you know, it's just seems to amplify what we're already going through. You know what I mean? Seniors, isolation, those types of things that already happens anyway, right there. They don't have full reign of family and, and, and it just amplified that situation. So I feel like the thing that, that has been important to remember is that, um, I mean, I have a client list that, that ranges in so many different capacities from, you know, basketball players, hockey players, golfers to, you know, people who are dealing with mental health, uh, and, and chronic pain issues and, and entrepreneurs. And the reality is that, that although the trigger point that's tipping off your feeling is different and everybody's trigger point is different, there are only so many human emotions to tap. So the fact that, you know, the situations can seem so unique to the people and the stories are unique. The situations are almost identical. Um, the things you're going through, there is a million other people who have gone through those. They may have been triggered by different incidents, but they're still going through them. You know what I mean? That's a huge piece. I think what we've identified <clears throat> with OCJ in the, you know, in the six or eight months here that we've been kind of rolling is everybody's story is unique to themselves, but the underlying conditions and the emotions and the drives and the, all of the all of the guts of that, it's the same. Yep. Like we're all, we're all so the same. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's shocking. Right. And, and I remember walking into my first, one of my first 12 step meetings and going like, there's, I don't relate to anybody in this room. Right. There's yep. a 65 year old lady who taught Sunday school. There's a 80 year old farmer. I'm like, I'm not any of these people. And it wasn't until they started talking and telling her story. That's like, well, you, you know me better than a lot of people know me because yeah. uh, you, like you just told every secret emotion and thought that I had, you just, you know it too. Yeah. So, so a foundation of, of being inspirational and remaining positive, knowing you're not alone. That that's what I'm gathering from this. We all have our own problems in any kind of capacity, emotionally, physically, financially. And again, I think it comes down to wanting to be heard and, and knowing that you're not alone. Yeah. There's so much power in knowing that there's people. It's like, you know, Rick's talking about 12 step rooms. I mean, how many, at the end of the day, if people aren't totally familiar with the 12 step program and, and a room, it's not a room where the front of the room is guided by a health professional. Yeah. The reality is it's guided by somebody who has had every bit as many problems as everybody else in those chairs. And Maybe that day more so than everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So it really, it's one of those, you know, the, the old safety and numbers, the understanding that, that you can, it, it, again, we all become teammates in each other's little life journey, right? We're all playing the game of life. We really all are playing the game of life mm -hmm. and we need to understand how all the players on our bench uh, are, are, are working together and we need to be there to support them and understand them and those types of things. And it just comes down to that simple understanding that we're not that different. And I mean, even if we took it away from mental health and addiction and we just simply applied this to society, because as Rick said, we, we couldn't be more polarized today than we've ever been. I mean, I think we would even argue the term polarizing doesn't mean what it means. Like, we, I don't think we could agree on anything in society right now, it seems like. And, and it's sad because we want the same goal, don't we? Yeah. You know, we yeah. all want COVID to end. You can't deny it. Every, regardless of what sports team you cheer for, regardless of how you vote. And unfortunately it's become political and yep. mm -hmm. it's, it's become less of a health issue because again, everybody has answers, but nobody's listening. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you know, you, you look at it, I, I have, I have some pretty interesting stances myself. I not interesting in terms of like, um, intriguing, but for me, interesting, my, my stance is a little bit on COVID, but the interesting thing is there, there are literally times that if you put me in front of a microphone and said, I have to argue 
one side or the other, I could feverishly argue passionately on both sides of mm -hmm. that fence. I literally could tell you why we should be doing it different than we are. And I could also literally with passion and, and, and energy tell you why we're doing it the best we can and should continue this way. Like it is such a world of unknown. Right. And and you can find numbers and stories and theories to support, you know, what, whatever what side of the fence are. you're in, there's enough information out there that'll support your argument. If that's the argument you're looking for. Is for there, sure. Is there too much information? <clears throat> is that something else that we can take? Just not necessarily with, with the virus, but apply that to our whole life where more is not necessarily better. When have you ever hopped on, on WebMD and came away going, I totally understand what's wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I mean, it's not, nothing in the world. This comes back to the whole coaching world. People leave. Web MD. <laughs> people, people, right. people leave coaching environments with their coach. And the reality is they've left with more information than they came with. We've stripped away the stuff that you, you knew your answers. We've just stripped away the stuff that was confusing you is what we did. We didn't give you something that you couldn't have found on YouTube that you couldn't have found with a Google search or found in a book. Um, we helped you understand to see what was right in front of you and help you get there. Over-information is such a problem. And, and it actually takes a lot of training to interpret information. There are people who go to university to become research specialists, understanding data, because there's a big difference between correlation and causation, right? I mean, is it, is it, is it snow every time it's cold or is it cold every time it snows? You can argue both ways. Yeah. The reality is we know just because it's cold, it's not going to snow. But if you've only been to say Canada from Florida and every time it's cold, it's snowing, you just assume that those two are synonymous. Mm -hmm. They're not. Yeah. It doesn't snow at minus 40. No, it doesn't. Exactly. Yeah, it, but it could snow at plus five. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, there's, there's necessarily, you know. I think that happened yesterday. I came out of the, came out of work and I'm like, is it snowing? Yeah. Yeah, information is information is a, is a is a challenge for us. I, I think a wonderful example of that removing information isn't necessarily a bad thing. So, look at bicycles when you're starting to learn a bike. They have what they're called wiggle bikes, where they don't even have pedals anymore. So, by taking away that, you know, you can focus on something else. You can focus on balance and then you bring the pedals into the factor and you have kids that are learning to ride bicycles much earlier than the, say the likes of you and I were because you're not adding more, you're taking away more. Yep. Right. And you have less to focus on, you know, simple is better. And in terms of world happiness, the happiest people in the world, they're not people in the Western hemisphere. They're not the people with the houses and the trailers and the toys. It's, it's the min minimalists. Yep. Those are the ones that are happy. So I wonder if it's a whole mass society way of thinking that needs to shift as well. Yeah, no, no question about it. Right. I mean, happiness is, is an inside job, right? I mean, and, and it isn't environmental. It isn't the things around you. Yeah, you're right. You, you go to some places and you see some people and you're thinking, how are they that happy? I mean, I mean, but it's, it's just, they are, they, they choose to be, they, they choose to accept and acknowledge what's going on in the world and they just face it for what it is today. Um, they know it could be different. It could change tomorrow, but they'll take today for what it is. Let me ask this to all of you. How do you teach happiness? <laughs> and we're done. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See you next week. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I'm not saying that it has an answer, but I yeah. mean, I think that's, yeah. again, that's a big reason of, of why we're seeing so many mental health issues. I think for me, the biggest thing that I've learned to I honestly don't think I've been happier in my life than I am right now. I think mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at hopefully not the crescendo, but I'm 
definitely at a peak right now. So why is that? And I, and I <clears throat> genuinely 100% contribute that to finding my purpose or feeling like I found a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Passion, purpose, and clarity is, is important. Understanding your why, why you're doing what you're doing or why you're going through or experiencing what you're experiencing. But to the teach the happiness thing, um, I would argue, I would argue that, 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 displaying happiness is probably the fastest way to teach happiness. I mean, if, if any one of us uprooted and moved to Alabama and then in 20 years came back here, would we have an accent? Absolutely would. We would absorb it. Why? Because we have the interest in absorbing the world around us. We start to uh, amalgamate to the world around us. We want acceptance of the world around us. And it's not because someone taught us an accent. We absorb it. And you, you look at that, I don't know who has that quote, but you, beca- you, become, you become the average of the five people you hang around with the most. And I think it's, happiness is, is not necessarily maybe about teaching, it's about placing people in environments where they can ex- see, experience, and understand how happiness happens. And happiness doesn't mean lack of adversity. It doesn't mean lack of challenge. It just means just a content approach with tackling that challenge, right? It's, just, it's, it's taking the adversity with a good attitude. It's funny you say that because my wife will confirm this as a matter, as a point of fact, if I get within 20 kilometers approximately of the American border, I immediately start talking with this invented Southern accent that I have and it yep. drives her crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I can't help it. It's like, as soon as, you know, we, we ha- well, previous to COVID, we'd holiday a lot in Montana or Idaho or something. And like, I can't kick that act. And even when I get home, like it still lingers for about on. a week. Yeah. Right. You, you become immersed in it. You absorb, you absorb happiness. Do you know what I mean? You absorb the things around you. You absorb the environment you're in. And so much of what happiness is probably just placing yourself in situations where you can explore happiness. Smiles are contagious. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Rick and Ryan, you guys know this, you, you've lived this. Um, you hang out with bad people, you do bad things. You hang out with good people, you do good things. And I think Trevor has a fantastic point there where maybe it's not something you learn. Maybe happiness is more of an attitude and surrounding yourself mm-hmm. with those that are happy. Cause how often have you hung out with miserable people? And after a time you're like, that's it. I, I, I can't, I gotta yeah. go. Yep. You know, we're done to the point of where you have to purge these people out of your life. For and, sure. You know, and it's not that they're unlucky or that bad things happen to them. Cause we have people like that. Oh, no, nothing ever good happens to me. <clears throat> I think it's that attitude mm-hmm. as well. You know, you get out of the universe, what you put into the universe. Absolutely. Did you, did you find that when, you know, when you were at the darkest, a big part of that was because of some of the people that you were surrounding yourself with? Um, I would say that it played a part in it for okay. sure. And I think moving into a more healthy lifestyle now, and I think Rick can recognize this as well is that's for me, that's the, one of the big points of going to 12 step is to, it's a quick way to start surrounding yourself with a whole new group of people that are uh, solution focused people. They've been there. They've, they know what we've gone through and it's, it's like you just said, right? You, you hang out with people who are kicking rocks down the street long enough. You end up kicking rocks down the street and it's the same thing, right? You hang out in 12 step recovery rooms. And if you find one that you're lucky enough to find a, a solution focused meeting and you hang around with those people long enough, you're going to start, you know, absorbing all these new app or all these new attitudes and stuff. Right. And Whether you want to or not. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. yeah for sure. It, 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 keep going. Sorry. I, oh. catch up. Um, it, I was, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to actually elaborate even further on my answer. Cause I mm-hmm. look at it, when I look at coaching with people, we, we use what we call the three A's. And the three A's to challenges or problem solving is really acknowledge the problem and then it's accept the problem. And then it's 
act on that problem or ask if you need help and you have to go externally because you don't own the solution to it. But it's it, the, the people that are happiest aren't, they, they don't acknowledge things any more than anybody else, um, but they accept things better than anybody else. The only way you can get to taking action or asking for help on any problem is having accepted the problem for what it is. Happy people are really good at accepting. Um, it's not that they have less problems in their life. They just accept them for what they are. And as soon as you accept them for what they are, you can find a workaround. Yeah. When you don't accept what it is, you'll continue to go back and you'll try to tell your story again and didn't get anywhere. Then you'll tell your story again, didn't get anywhere. And you keep repeating and you keep acknowledging the problem. You're stuck in the problem. Sure. You never migrate to the solution side of the picture. And the, the tipping point is acceptance. That is the most profound thing that I've heard this week. <laughs> You've heard some cool shit. It's three A's. How simple that is. Like, yeah. and w one thing I was going to talk about in the, in the realm of emotion, right? Um, is is one thing that I've learned in this journey to me being happy is emotions are action words for me. Gratitude is an action word. I mm -hmm. I need to demonstrate that love, happiness. These are actions. I need to. I don't just get to be grateful. I need to demonstrate that I am through action. Right. Mm -hmm. And so three A's I'm stealing that. I'm using that. When it, <laughs> it coincides so well with the 12 steps well, too, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Acceptance, acknowledge, and then move into action and let's get moving on this. But if yeah. you don't accept it and, or acknowledge it and then accept it, it's real tough to do any different actions. Nor can you necessarily skip any of those steps or not have them in that order. For sure. Yeah, it's exactly. You really, it really is that process that we go through to problem solve, right? And it isn't, it isn't complaining to acknowledge a problem. It, it does have to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging it a second time, we're now bordering on complaining or yeah. stuck in our story. You've acknowledged it. We agreed that was what's wrong and that is what's happening. We don't need to say it again. Let's, yeah. let's now accept that. And, and the indication that we've accepted it is that we don't need to retell the story to ourselves or to others. We and obviously there's times to share your story for empowerment, but, but that scenario where it, it yeah, the acceptance is so important, but it is the, those steps, right? And it went from three A's to, to so I'm going to call it three and a half because I added the ask because it used to be, I used to use acknowledge, accept and act. And then I realized there's times where we don't have the tools in our right. box to actually solve this. So it can be act or ask. And, and that's a big one as well is to understand that we are not always the center of the solution. Um, but we have people around us who might be. <laughs> Usually not. Get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Where did you learn to be so positive? Have, have you always had this this attitude? Is it something that you've had to work at? Because I mean, speaking with you here for 23 minutes, incredibly, incredibly insightful. <laughs> you know, yeah. where did I learn? I, I learned from being in the trenches by 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 not being positive. You know, you, 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 most of your great stuff that happens to you uh, or that, that you have stories to share is, is because of a mess somewhere in your world, right? A great friend of mine always says that message begins with a mess and you have to be willing to understand that mess. And if you do, you can turn it into a message and that message is hopeful or inspiring or what have you. Anybody that in my world, and I'll use my wife as an example, because I mean, she's the one that sees me at my worst, um, right? Your close family members do. And, and, uh, and she would say, I'm not always this positive. This isn't how it always works, but that's okay. I mean, I understand it. Um, but she's taught me a lot in that situation. It's really the people who have helped me through my journey. You know what I mean? Um, when I was younger dealing with mental health, I mean, I knew in, in early elementary, I knew on some level, I didn't know what mental health was at the time. And back then nobody talked about it. Um, but I, I, I knew something wasn't wired, right? Something wasn't, I just, I was, something wasn't quite the way it, it 
it should be. And, and it took me a lot of years, but it was when I started dating my wife that she really opened the door to mental health and really explained to me that that's, you know, that's something that you can embrace and something you can work on. And, and she was really the one that sort of got me into exploring the mental health challenges in my world. And that's where in the year 2000, when I had the formal diagnosis of obsessive compulsive disorder and depression, which comes with anxiety as well, um, that was game changing. It was earth shattering. But that was a moment. And, you know, it was just by being around people again, I just sort of migrated on my wife. My wife had this thirst or urge to want things to be better and be better and, and go. And it just you sort of absorbed that, right? Um, my wife was big in that scenario. But a lot of the lessons outside of that, it's just been because I've, I've fallen. You know what I mean? As a keynote speaker, one of the things I really marvel at is we go to, in industries, we go to professional development conferences. And you listen to a keynote speaker and they stand on stage and what they, they deliver is the, the, the best practices for whatever topic they're looking at, but you know where the real meat is. I don't want your best practices. I want the stories of the worst practices that led you to developing this best practice. That's what I want to hear. Um, because the best practice makes so much more sense when you understand that they didn't just, didn't just always be this way. It's you context know? or else it, it's bullshit. That's exactly yeah. right. For sure. And that's the scenario. So for me, the biggest thing is I think, I think, I think, where, where I've been lucky and I will use the term lucky. I mean, my challenges in my life haven't been easy. They haven't been great, but you know what? They're the best thing to happen to me, uh, in terms of my career and my ability to have an impact on people is because I understand it doesn't always look, the book doesn't match the cover, right? And it, it never does. I mean, people are shocked to think that what I do for a living and that I, I battle depression. No, I do. We're all, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't pick favorites. It has no, it, ha it could be your kindergarten teacher. It could be your doctor. I mean, your psychiatrist isn't opposed to, or isn't, isn't, um, isn't, isn't immune from struggling with depression. I mean, it's, it's, it's a human, a humanity thing, right? Yeah. We're not AI. I, you're right. We're, we're living, breathing, feeling, you know, and so we can learn from our dark. We can learn from failure. You know, so when you do fall, it, it sucks at the time, but there's always that, that yang to the, to the yin, but to see it, I think is, is the tough one. I mean, if we all saw it, hell, we'd all be, you know, smiles. And unfortunately that's, you know, that's not the case. Um, so Trevor, that's what it was for you. It was, it was, you know, learning from the challenges in your world and deciding to do something about that. Uh, was that the same for uh, you, Ryan? Was that the same for you, Rick? Cause you've, you've each walked your own dark path. So where was, where was the light? Where was the flip? Where was the switch? Was it, was it learning from mistakes? Yeah. I think for me, it was, it was trusting trusting that there was a purpose, right? And I've like, I've, you know, I've made no secrets about faith and religion for me, right? I'm, I, I really struggle with the religion concept, but I've somehow found faith despite not really having a religious background. Well, that's what faith is. And yeah, we talked about this yesterday, right? It's just, I, when I really truly accepted, when I acknowledged and accepted Everything that I've been through, everything that I've done, right? And I, I don't mean been through like something that I've participated in. I was the cause of a lot of my own action, right? So I, I need to accept my role in a lot of the decisions that were made, a lot of the things that happened, but then find purpose in them. And even if that purpose is just to gain that life experience so I can then support somebody else in their life journey and go, dude, I've been there. I get it. I know what that feeling is. I know what that feeling like two days before 
you're having that thought. I know the things that led you to that space because I've been there. Not only have I been there, now I've walked through that and here's what I've done to get out of that. And now I can truly, again, I guess comes back to empathy, right? I, I can relate to you on a level that I know how you feel because I felt it. I didn't, I didn't study it. I wasn't taught it. Nobody explained it to me. I've, I've walked in those shoes. I get it. So when I had this shift, I think that's, that's the shift for me, right? Is, is when I developed a purpose around, okay, I have faith that whatever happened, happened for a reason to prepare me for the next thing that's coming. And for some people, I know like God and there's a huge aspect to that to me. I don't even know what it is. I don't know. I just got faith that everything's going to be the way it's supposed to be. And I, I've just got to make the most, I get to make an active decision today. And am I going to be a positive influence or am I going to be a negative influence? And for so long, I was a really negative influence on just about everybody around me. How, how important is it then to, to, to not worry about every little thing in your life? And I'm not saying throwing caution to the wind, but I'm going, you know what? Shit's going to, shit's going to work out. You know, there's only so much we can do as individuals. We can't control everything in our lives. And if you try to, man, it weighs heavy, 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 heavy. And you're not doing yourself any favors. And, and so do you think that carries weight for a lack of a, of a better word to not carry that weight? Do you think that maintains a, a positive mindset? Yeah, uh, two words that jump out at me right away with a lot of people I work with are the word worry. And the other opposite side of worry is concentrate. Concentrate is an, is an effort to use your mind space to create something that you want to have happen. Worry is a defensive strategy that you're trying to guard against all bad things that potentially could happen. You do not want to operate in a space of worry. Worry is very heavy. Worry is pointless. Worry gives you nothing. You want to concentrate, not worry. Um, concentration is really the key to it all. And concentration is quite light. You pick a task, you pick something, you work at it, you take your steps, you take your actions. But concentration and worry are very different. And when you talk about, you know, not worrying about things, when you use the word worry and, you know, throwing caution to the wind, the other two words that come to my mind are, are the difference between fearless and reckless. Fearless is knowing I've done everything I can to prepare for this moment and it will pan out how it pans out. I cannot impact it anymore. Reckless is ignoring the fact that stuff can go wrong and just going, I'm just going to jump anyway and hope this is a, a parachute, not a backpack. Like that's, that's throwing caution to the wind, yes. right? So fearless and reckless are a big thing. And, and, and when we can approach life, when we concentrate more, we tend to be in a more fearless mindset. When we worry, we start to park things, hide things, put things away. And then we're taking things in a more reckless scenario. We're not really acknowledging what's happening or what's really going on. And then we can't get to the root of the challenge, right? I like what we're, we're learning here. Uh, Ryan, let me ask you this. Rick mentioned trust is incredibly important to, to finding that, that peace of mind for, for self-love. Um, would you agree with that? Is, 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 is trusting hard? Is it trust? Is it, is it tough to trust other people, especially if you've been through dark phases of your life? Cause we've all been burned, whether mm -hmm. we got burned or maybe we burned somebody else in, in our days. For sure. Uh, I would totally agree with that. You know, especially coming from the background, the, the dynamics that Rick and I lived in for so long, that whole, that whole population, that whole thing is based on what can I get from somebody else? So it's really hard to trust anybody else in that world of drug addiction or alcohol abuse or whatever that looks like. Um, for me, the trust piece came 
when I got into recovery and I had somebody there to show me that there is possibility that you can get out of this. It was that lived experience piece. We talked about this lots and this gentleman <laughs> had a pretty badass upbringing and story. And, you know, he shed a little light on, you know, what I needed to do, what I need to look at and what I need to change. And it comes down to those three A's that Trevor talked about now that he puts it that way, but it was do these things and things can get better. And one of the biggest things was the acknowledgement that, yeah, I'm a drug addict. Now I acknowledge it and I accept that. And now I got to take action on it. And, and then that ties in with that faith piece for me is, and hand in hand, faith goes with control for me. So as long as I have faith and, and I work on the individual pieces that I know I can control, like you said earlier, Poncho, about worrying about all the little things in life, right? When I stop doing all of that and just focus on the individual pieces I can control and just let the world unfold the way it's going to unfold and have faith. And for me, it's God have faith that there's a plan set out. I just have to get out of my own way and start doing the next right thing that I'm supposed to be doing that feels right. And things start working out. And like you mentioned, Rick, you know, we might not, we might not get to see the evidence of that working out for two weeks, six weeks, five years from now, but it, you know, when you hit that moment and those have been those light bulb moments for me, where it's been a lot easier to start believing in faith and believing in God is that, holy shit, all these bad things needed to happen to get me to that point, to make that right decision. And here I am five years later and boom, it, right. it led to this. I mean, yeah, a decision the, all of the decisions we made five, 10, 15 years ago have led us to this very moment <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. right here and right now. I had a really good sponsor in my 12 step process and he, and at the beginning, when I got in, I, I didn't trust, right? I yeah. had no trust. I had no faith. And he went, and he explained to me really simply, he goes, okay, this is all I'm going to ask you to do. What, one, are you willing? Are you just willing to try? And I'm like, well, the alternative is looking pretty bad. So I've got to do something. So I might as well give it a whirl. Right. And he goes, so all I'm asking you to do is instead of having an opinion about whether this is going to work or not, take the action and then form an opinion. Don't form an opinion before you take the action. So he goes, just, just try it. He goes, you know, if, if this doesn't work for any, and commit to it, fully commit to it. If it doesn't work for you, you can always walk out the door and go back to whatever you were doing before and then nothing's changed. So I, I, I did the work, I took the steps and then I sat back. So I, I had to learn to trust. I had, I had to find faith through that process, right? Is just going, okay, I'm going to do this. And then, and then lo and behold, like it does work and I am feeling better and I am a better influence on my children and a better husband and a better friend. And it's like, okay, so I had to, I had to gain, I had to gain that faith through, like, I wasn't particularly optimistic when I got into it, that it was going to yeah. work. Right. And the other thing that you touched on that I, is the control bit, right? I, I've spent, I spent so much of my life trying to control people, places, things, outcome, like weather, <laughs> commodity prices. There were yeah. so many influences that were so beyond my control, but I somehow in my mind tried to control them. And I had another really, really wise guy tell me something really simple. And it stuck with me since that day is the only thing you're in control of is your response to, is your response to the situations that life gives you. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily get to pick what's going to happen. I get to pick how I'm going to respond to that. And that's, once I gave up trying to control all of the outside things and just went, what can I, what am I actually in control of? It's, and it's really very little. It's just me. Yeah. It's how am I going to deal with this? And it was really freeing. And a lot of that worry went away because I knew 
I, I, I can't control that no matter how desperately I want to. And no one like, and if I could control it, I'd probably fuck it up anyway. So it's probably better off that I'm not in control of that. And then that frees up a lot of time for you to focus on the good that's happening yeah. in your world as well. Cause you're not worrying about the bad. So openness, um, listening, um, trust three simple words yet. They're, they're huge words, aren't they? Yep. Huge words, uh, Trevor, and I know we've mentioned it a, a, a few times throughout, and, and I agree with Ryan and Rick, uh, your theory of the uh, three and a half A's. Can <laughs> we can we quickly reset and, and go through that again? I think it's very important that you know we get out what the three A's are, if that's okay with yeah, you. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and so at the end of the day, when we run into adversity, we run into a challenge, there's a sequence that we go through to get through the challenge. And the first one is to acknowledge the challenge that's in front of us. Um, it's essentially just telling the story. Where are we? You know, everything, just describing the situation we're in and acknowledging it. So we're acknowledging the problem or the challenge or the adversity. Okay. The key is we need to take action to change that. And we cannot take action until we accept that it is as we say it is. If we have any, well, it's this, but well, we're not accepting that it is what it is yet. And until we start removing the buts and the what ifs and the doubt, we don't accept the problem. Really figuring it out is never a problem. Figuring out what it is, is the real challenge of life. Once you figure out what it is, solving it takes so little energy, so little emotion, so little time. It's really quite easy. The challenge is always in figuring out what it is or accepting what it is once you've acknowledged it. So you go through the acknowledging the challenge or the problem in a real and honest fashion, and then you have to accept that to be true and that that is the situation. Then you can go into the two A's at the end, which is the one and a half as we talk. The, you either take action and you you change or make the changes you need to to rectify or redirect that challenge, or you reach and ask for help. So it's act or ask is the last one. So acknowledge, accept, act or ask to move forward in that in that piece. And it's something that I use with everything. We use, I use it in every capacity when I'm coaching anybody in any scenario is we've really got to spend a lot of time in fostering that acceptance. Um, cause they will, they will acknowledge. And then when you sort of discuss or broach what solutions can look like, they, that they, they add more to the story. Yeah. But there's this part. Okay. So, okay. So you want to stay on that side. Okay, great. Let's keep yeah, going. Yeah. And we keep walking through it. And, and eventually they're kind of like, is that it? Yeah, that's it. That's everything. Like, yeah, that's everything that's impacted it. Yeah. And that is like to the letter of the law it is. Yeah. All right. Now what? I don't know what to do. Well, that's, that's where I'm going to help you and we'll get you there. Um, that must feel pretty amazing then when, when you're speaking to people and you see it in their face and they realize, holy shit, it's, you know, I mean, even if they've done one of the three, you know, they acknowledge that's, that something's going on. But then I think you mentioned acceptance could be the hardest part. Yeah. So when you see that flip, when you see that switch, that must be a, an amazing feeling going. They get it now. Yeah. You, and you see it. You guys would see it in, in rooms when you sure. come into the first time in 12 step rooms, right? I'm sure where you look out and you're like, they do look like a deer in the headlights. They're like, did I just, is it really that, is that what I have to do? Like, that's what I've been worried about doing all my life is making that little, holy cow, I can take that action. See you next week. Like so easy Absolutely. when you see them walk out with a the stride, they're just, they're pumped, right? They're ready to take action. <laughs> For sure. And the, I know in both like working with people in 12 step and coaching. Cause I've coached not to the extent that you have, but like, you know, kids with football, baseball, all the kids sports. And the thing that drives the statement that I hear when I'm trying to help somebody that drives me the most insane is four little words that like, it just makes me want to punch somebody in the nose. Yeah, I know, but 
Mm-hmm. The moment you say, the moment you say, but it negates, yeah. it cancels every single thing <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. said yeah. up until that point. Likewise, although it's just a nice way of, of saying, but you know, yeah. I like your shirt, Rick. Although, <laughs> so everything I've said until that point, the moment I say, but the moment I say, although it's tough not to be on edge. It's tough not to be on the defense, isn't it? Yeah. You're trying to coach somebody through a process that they maybe have never even done before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you, you don't know. You've never done this before. This is a completely foreign thing to you. And your response is, yeah, I know, but well, no, you don't know. And just shut up and listen. Like yeah. stop trying to, again, have an opinion before you've done it. Build an opinion after the, take the action and then have an opinion. Yeah, for sure. And I find that in coaching in so many different realms as well, I find that people, um, people really fail to identify that progression curves are necessary. Um, everybody wants to run out of the gates and, and I always call it the Monday regroup. Everybody has an awful weekend. They're like, okay, Monday morning, going to get up. I'm going to have a good breakfast. Going to go for a run. Going to meditate in the morning. Going to be happy. And they regroup on Monday and it just happens every Monday. But what happens is they've shot so far into the change that they failed the first step. Like they haven't even said, you know what? I will just start by making sure I go to bed on time so I can get up on time. Let's just start there for two weeks, right? That one little action can change in a, a moment. Once that action becomes a habit, it can change your life. Otherwise it's defeating. I mean, you want the, you want the goal immediately. And when that doesn't happen, you're like, well, screw this. Yeah. And it's so interesting how it happens when it's with the head or the heart. Like if you were in how we punish ourselves in, in the picture, like if you were to hire a personal trainer and say that my goal is to bench press 300 pounds for a reps and the trainer said, great, I can help you. And the first thing they did was throw you on the bench under a bar with 300 pounds and say, give it a rip. You'd be like, would you consider that you failed? Or would you go, this trainer is off his rocker. Yeah. He has failed. I wouldn't carry that failure with me when I left to be like, this guy's he's overprescribing here. Like, this is ridiculous. I need somebody that's going to start me at, at a hundred pounds for reps first. Like, but yet when it's, when it's the gray matter in our mind and it's in our heart and our head, we tend to overprescribe for ourselves and put ourselves into that 300 pound bar. And when we don't lift it, we walk away and go, I just fail. Every time I try, I fail. You're doing, you're, you're doing too much. That's, that's the problem. You're doing too much. Just start slow. And that's the hard part sometimes in working with people is, is patience in that this will matter later. Uh, this hmm. is not going to change your world today. It's going to seem pointless, but we're, we're developing some traction. We're getting things kind of moving, right? It's like slipping on ice, lower the gear, start slow. You don't step on the gas. Yeah. And that's gotta be because we live in a world where we want everything now. <laughs> yeah. Right? I call us the microwave generation. Like if it doesn't come out warm and tasty in 60 <laughs> seconds, I ain't waiting. <laughs> I'm an addict, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I need that hit now. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing this and I expect a result. Now, yeah, today. Yeah, if yeah, I yeah. don't, I'm taking more immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, good things are never easy. I, I, I mean, yeah. you know, you reap what you sow. And I think when you bust your ass for something, whether it's literally sowing a garden or looking after your mental health, when you put little goals in place of the big goal, mm-hmm. I mean, next thing you know, you're at the top <clears throat> yeah. of the mountain and, and you, you haven't even realized it. I think that's a big piece to the, sure. the mental health, you know, image yep. as well. For sure. sure. And I know we talk about that in my professional life and it's, it's great to set that North star goal, which is your big overarching goal. But like you just said, that's the 300 pound bar, right? So how are we going to break that down? So we formulate all these micro, uh, smart goals and, and something that's measurable, something that's attainable, something that you can look back on and actually measure against. And all these tiny little things that 
over the course of three or four months are really building up. And it's like rungs on the ladder. Like we talked about a few podcasts ago, it's like climb to that next rung and you don't realize suddenly you're eight feet off the ground and you can't remember how you got there, but it's by taking those one little smart goals at a time and building your way up to that North star. I, I like to paraphrase Bob Ross, the master of relaxation, <laughs> you know? So before he was painting happy little trees, he was a, a drill sergeant. So he was the guy that would yell at people to wow. motivate. He hated it, but he said one of the things he took away, he says, when you're having a day and absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing goes right. He said, I start my morning by making my bed. He said, if everything else goes sideways, he says, at the end of the day, I know at least my bed is made. And that's something, that's one good thing that, that happened in my life, you know? So, and I think that's very important as well, that we try to focus on I mean, just one good thing, whether it happens once a day or, or, or once a week, you know, cause it's so easy to focus on, on the negative, you know, and it takes effort to, to focus on the positive sometime until you get that ball rolling, until you get in that mindset. And then like anything, whether you want it or not, happiness is going to follow you. Success is going to, is, is going to follow you. Yeah. Well, I think too, we can scale this up as big as you want or as low as you want, but you know, you look at the most successful companies in the world, right? Well, like even I've been on nonprofits and boards and I've owned my own companies and it's, it's a strategic plan. Right. Like, so you, you have your 10 year North star strategic plan and then a five year or three year, you know, and you, and you build that in one set. Okay. Where do I want to get to? And let's break that down to attainable goals down to what am I doing today to put myself in a position to systematically achieve that goal 10 years from now. And not to say that like, you know, life's life. Sometimes you jump up and you skip a step because the opportunity presents itself. Sometimes you take a step back. It is what it is, but it's just having the structure around that realistic goal setting and what that looks like, whether, whether you're a Pepsi Cola global corporation or an individual trying to work their way through a 12 step, it's the same thing. Like those steps are in order for a reason. Strategic planning exists for a reason. Set a big goal, set a big, set a big North star. You know, create a business plan for your business. Why not create a business plan for exactly. your own personal yeah. life? Or in this case, as, as Trevor said, the three and a half A's. Um, final thoughts? Anything else that you wanted to bring up? Anything else that's on your mind uh, today here, Trevor? Oh, no, I think we covered some great stuff. I think at the end of the day, we, you know, uh, I think we all leave the room today and we walk out and we pick one small thing that makes our day move, right? But success success isn't down the road. Can, I'll quote Jungle Jim Hunter. If you guys know who Jungle Jim Hunter is, one of the original crazy Canucks skiers. Have you ever, have you ever, I watched him speak one time and I don't know if you've ever seen, have you ever looked him up on YouTube? No. Okay. So let's put this in perspective. Like this guy's an international, world-renowned, downhill ski member of this group. He's just, he's, you know, one of the best in the world, right? The crazy Canucks and the this Canadian ski team. And uh, the guy grew up in the Saskatchewan Prairies. How does that happen? Like, how, yeah. So talk about trying to find the positive or trying to find the solution. He had a goal and this was the scenario. There are YouTube videos. I kid you not. Look these up. His dad strapped his skis to the rack of their truck and he would go in and click his bindings in and his dad would barrel down the highway. And that's how he worked on his tuck <laughs> down the middle. Of, like, could you imagine doing that today? But the point being, 
<laughs> he no, had a gold. Sounds like something my dad would have done. Exactly. Saskatchewan with those potholes. <laughs> yeah, but it's else? amazing he didn't become a mogul skier, right? With the potholes. <laughs> but where else would it happen except Saskatchewan? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that seems normal there. Yeah. But talk about talk about finding a solution. Like he had he had a goal, yeah. and he accepted that there just maybe wasn't some of the opportunities here, and but they had to find ways to do it. So he bit off these little baby steps, and he built this progression for himself. Success for him, he says. He says success is measured two days and two days only today and that day, and that's it. So get today right, and that day will probably be right as well. And that's he, his whole basis was today and that day, and that's what I'll worry about. Trevor Moore dot C A M O O R E dot C A. I know we've known each other for years. Finally, absolutely inspiring, a lot more inspiring and than I thought it would be to sit here and to finally just be, I mean, I knew you were going to be good, right? <laughs> but I mean, you're really, really good. I mean, look at all the smiles that you've created around here. You know, you, you talk about. I'm just really happy that well. I didn't have to introduce him because like, I'm, I was thinking about that a couple days ago. I'm like, I don't know even how to begin to describe what you do. My yeah. friends say I'm semi-retired. That's how they describe me. They're like, you hang out at a golf course, you play cards, and you tell awful jokes for a living. That's, That's pretty much semi-retirement like, you know, right there. Comedian, re- musician, yeah. MC, motivational coach, golf. I'm like, I don't even know where to begin with describing you. From from darkness to life, this has been a Our Collective Journey podcast. Thank you so much to the Plugged In Media Network. Uh, Ryan, Rick, thank you guys. As always, Trevor, a huge thanks to you for uh, being a part of this. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Contact Our Collective Journey on Facebook at Our Collective Journey or on the web at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by Poncho Parker. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a Plugged In Media Network exclusive. Check out this and our other great podcasts at pymedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.